Hey, it's Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader, and welcome to the Black Belt Leadership Podcast, where each week I'm sharing tips, tools, insights, and resources to help you become a better version of who you are and what you do as you discover, develop, and deploy your own unique Black Belt Leader within. Hey, you can learn more about me and the tips, tools, and resources that are available through my website, blackbeltleadership.com. But today, in this episode, I want to focus on and talk about the crucible of character, refining who you are on the inside. Now, when we talk about a crucible, what is it? You've likely seen one in the movies, and maybe you've had an opportunity to visit a foundry, or you've been to a jeweler that actually manufactures and builds jewelry from raw ore. Now, the purpose of a crucible is really straightforward. It's to convert solid ore to a liquid state where it can be poured into a mold to take on a predetermined shape. The crucible itself is a ceramic or a metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted or subjected to a very high temperature. And as this metal or these ingredients are heated from a solid to a liquid state, sometimes other ingredients are added to make that metal stronger, to make it more rigid, to make it more flexible, or in some way to enhance the performance of the original metal or ore that was added in some fashion. Now, one of the things I've learned from visiting foundries and visiting some jewelers that actually melt and make their own jewelry with molds is this. During the heating process, the metal, the ore, liquefies, and various components within the ore begin to separate. Now, this very process of heating the metal, heating the ore, helps to remove impurities that may exist in the metal or the raw ore itself from the earth. So that what remains after the heating process is completed and all of the impurities are removed, what remains is a more pure, more useful version of the metal than the original metal or the original ore that was taken from the earth. Now, a few years ago, I met an incredible young couple who live in Midlothian, Texas, and they are master artisans of crafting designer jewelry. They create and design some of the most exquisite custom jewelry that I have ever seen in my entire life. And they are brilliant designers at what they do. One of a kind pieces that are truly works of art. And as I met with them in their home and they showed me their office where they manufacture this jewelry, their workshop, I guess you would call it, they were showing me some of the intricate designs that they were working on. And they took me through a playbook of pictures of other pieces that they had built. And I was absolutely blown away at the intricacy of design. Now, one of the things they shared with me is that if the impurities are not removed from the gold or the silver that they're working with or whatever other metals they may be working with, interestingly enough, those impurities can actually cause the design of the jewelry they're making to become structurally flawed. And if it's structurally flawed, at some point, some trigger could cause that piece of jewelry to fail. So imagine paying tens of thousands of dollars for a one-of-a-kind, intricately designed pendant, 
or ring or bracelet, earrings. You pick the designer piece only to have it shatter into small pieces and come apart because of a structural flaw that was due to impurities in the underlying metal. And what would remain of a precious stone, a diamond, an emerald, a ruby, some other gemstone that may have been held within that metal if it separates or falls apart? The loss itself could be staggering. Now, there's a leadership lesson here, and you're going to say, of course, Dr. John, there's a leadership lesson here. But this leadership lesson is a very practical application that we can apply to our lives. Now, it starts with another definition of the crucible that you and I often overlook or ignore to our own detriment. A crucible is also defined as a situation of severe trial or in which different elements interact, leading to the creation of something new. Now, I want to focus on the first part of that second definition. It is a situation of severe trial. You and I through life, we all go through challenges, obstacles, and struggles. Those are trials of life. Times when we are heated from the outside in to reveal who we are. And when we go through these severe trials, this crucible of character reveals what's on the inside of each and every one of us. As we go through challenges and struggles and obstacles in life, those things put pressure on us. They heat us up. And what happens? It reveals our character. It reveals our values. It reveals us to ourself and the world around us. Now, interestingly enough, I'm hearing a lot about character and values today, not only from families, but in the organizational world as well. As businesses large and small are becoming increasingly aware of the importance of organizational health and the myriad of problems that come when organizational health does not exist, it's a conversation that almost always leads to a company's culture. Now, a company's culture defines why that company exists. It takes into account who the organization serves, what that company provides as a value-added product or service, and how they serve their audience, their clients, and their customers. But it all comes back in that company culture definition to the overarching why that defines who they are, what they do, and how they do it, and to whom they do it to. Now, you know, it is essential for leaders in an organization to define their company culture. Otherwise, the overarching why is going to be defined independently by every single person on the team. And no effective organization can be effective for long if there's not one clear definition of the company's culture, why they exist, who they serve, why they serve them, and how they serve them well. If it's left up to every other team member to independently define that, guess what? You end up with a hodgepodge of definition. And when there's multiple definitions of culture inside of a company or an organization, nobody really knows, especially your audience, what that organization stands for. Now, in my opinion, that is a recipe for at best mediocrity and at worst, ultimately, failure. Now, why would I say that? Because just like an individual, an organization's character and values are going to be tested. 
Just like an individual, an organization, a company, a business is going to face challenges and obstacles and struggles. And under stress, what's important to an organization, its character and its values are going to be revealed. And what your organization believes is going to be revealed in the actions of those who work there for better or for worse as the culture is defined to them by those who are leading. Now, great organizations do this. Great organizations take the time, number one, to define their culture. And then secondly, they take the time to ingrain that culture into every strategic element within the company. It starts with hiring and training. It goes into customer service, sales, support, administration, and every strategic part of the business is infused with the company culture. So everybody understands the overarching why, who they serve, how they serve them, what they actually provide, and the overarching of why they do it. Now, that's important because the character and the values the organization wants to see on display are going to be on display by the team members if they understand and they've embraced that culture. If they don't understand the culture, they've not been taught it, they've not been reminded of that, and that culture has not been continually honed into each and every team member, then every individual within the organization is going to define that company's culture for themselves. And sadly, what I see, very few cultures define definition at all, and very few do it well. Now, it's also important to remember that a company's culture defines the organizational non-negotiables, what they're willing to stand for and what they're not going to allow to be tolerated in their business. Now, what the organization is ultimately wants to be known for is part of the culture. How they want to be perceived in the marketplace is part of the culture and how they want to create an exceptional experience for their clients and customers they serve is all in the culture. But let's go back to the definition of culture. A culture are the character and the values that are embraced by the organization. So let's take a look at character and values and the definition of those terms. Character is defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual or an organization. Let me say that again. Character is defined as the mental, again, beliefs as the mental and moral qualities that are distinctive, unique to an individual or an organization. Values define a person's or an organization's principles and standards of behavior. An individual or a company's judgment of what is important in life. Let me give you that second definition again. Character, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual and organization, values defines a person's or an organization's principles. They're non-negotiables and the standards of behavior, their judgment of what is important in life. Now, closely designed to character and values are morals. And morals are defined as a person or an organization's standards of behavior or beliefs concerning what is and what is not acceptable for them to do. Morals help to define an individual and an organization's non-negotiables in life. Now, when you combine character and values 
and morals together, you create the rules for right living for an individual or a business organization. So what does that mean? Unless combined character, values, and morals are clearly defined, unless an individual or an organization clearly defines the rules for right living and then strategically aligns those rules for right living in every element of the organization's culture, everybody on the team gets to set their own rules, which ultimately leads to confusion, to chaos, and potentially the destruction of the organization. Now, I see this in organizations all the time, and likely you do too. I was recently in Branson visiting The Landing. It's a collection of mostly high-end retail stores. And I love going into stores just to observe human behavior. I like to take a look at how the stores are displayed because I have a background in sales and marketing, and I want to see how they're presenting and positioning their products for sale. I want to see how salespeople interact. I want to see how customer service people behind the counter taking your money interact. I observe and watch these things because it's part of my ongoing study of human behavior. So as I'd enter a store, what would I do? I would take the store in and I would look at the visual appearance of the store. I would note where the salespeople are, whether or not I was greeted and how I was treated when I came into the store. Some days I would dress up and I would look much more affluent. Other days I would dress down and purposely look not as affluent just to see if I was treated any differently. As I visit businesses, and I do this all the time, I want to see if the company's culture, as they portray it on their website and in their advertising and marketing, are the individuals in that particular store actually living out the values of that organization in and through its team members? So short answer, Sometimes yes, but a lot of the times the answer is no. And when I go back and I take a look at what customer reviews are saying online, I see I'm not alone often in my observations. Yet businesses large and small ignore information and feedback like this to their own peril. Because today, there's many options available to consumers. There's many different high-end, middle-end, and low-end stores for people to buy from. And if people don't feel valued and appreciated and the values of your business aren't being lived out as you're portraying in your sales and marketing, people are going to take themselves and their money somewhere else. Now, interestingly enough, oftentimes when I go into these businesses, I engage with the employees and I strike up a conversation. And in that conversation, as I'm weaving the dialogue, I'll ask the employees about their job. What do they like and what do they not like? Tell me about your manager. Tell me about your owner. Tell me about your business. And as these individuals begin to open up, it becomes very apparent very quickly whether or not they feel valued and appreciated or whether they're simply there to earn a paycheck. It's interesting to see which team members in an organization can define the company's culture, tell me what it is, and to see them actually living it out. So again, as I look online and as I engage and as I watch and start conversations, what do I see? Are they defining company culture? Short answer, sometimes yes, but a lot of the time, no. So why are we failing at the crucible of culture at the organizational level and also as individuals? Let me start with the organizations. 
We fail at the crucible of culture with an organization because of this reason. Before an organization can define its culture, those who lead the organization must have settled this question for themselves. What do we want to be known for? Great question for my friend Jeff Henderson in his book, Know What You're For. It's a great read. To know what you're for, you've got to define your values and your cultures. So the leaders first have to settle this question for themselves. But if the leaders of the company themselves don't have good character and they don't have good values, the odds are slim to non-existent that their organization will have good character and good values. Because if a leader doesn't have non-negotiables, they don't have clearly defined moral absolutes in his or her lives, neither will their organization. And if a leader is willing to stand for everything or a leader is willing to stand for nothing, the company he or she leads will take on the very same mantra and will appear the very same way through their culture. Now, this is important because organizational culture is nothing more than an extension of the culture of those who are leading that business. And by extension, it's going to attract individuals of similar character, values, and morals. That culture, that belief system of the leaders as they live it out and they ingrain it into their business and into the culture of those they're leading is going to permeate into every nook and cranny of the business for better or for worse. Now, why does this happen? Because people do what people see. And understand that organizational culture is going to be tested and it's going to be tried. And the organizational culture, its underlying values and morals are going to be revealed during times of testing. We have times when we're not under stress to develop and build and hone our culture, but when we get under stress individually and organizationally, who we are on the inside as individuals and as an organization, that culture is going to be revealed to the world for better or for worse. So, I want to pivot now, and I want to get personal for just a minute as I move towards a conclusion of this week's leadership lesson. If organizational culture is an extension of the leader's culture, what does that say about the leader? And if you're the leader of the organization or a leader in the organization, what does it say about you? And don't forget that everyone is leading someone somewhere right now, even if the only person you're leading is yourself. So whether you are the owner, you are the manager, the assistant manager, you are a team leader, or you are an entry-level employee, what does your culture, your values, and your morals say about you? It's an important thought. What character values, what morals do you embrace and live out? What do you believe and why do you believe it? Do you have non-negotiables in your life? Things you say, I am not willing to do that no matter what. And if you have non-negotiables, are they defined and do you know what they are? And do those around you know what they are as well? You know, I remain amazed, and really, I guess a better word is shocked, 
at the number of individuals across America who don't define culture for themselves or parents who don't define it for their family. And when I talk to individuals or I talk to organizational volunteer groups or I speak to a church or to a community group, when I begin to talk about character and values and morals, and that comes up in conversation, I'm often met with stares of dumbfoundedness. People look at me like, what are you talking about? But when I go to visit schools, I see children, staff, and teachers treating each other with disrespect and disdain. It's even worse on social media. Bullying is bad in school. It's worse on social media. The name calling, the canceling, the calling people out because we can't agree to disagree on areas that we should be able to disagree on. Social media has become a cesspool of incessant fussing, arguing, and complaining. It's a sign of a lack of values and morals in our lives. And really, it's a sign of a much deeper problem in society today. Why do I say that? Because democracy can only exist within a culture of good character, good values, and good morals. And when culture begins to erode, character, values, and morals, when those begin to erode and decay, what ultimately ends up left, looking back over the thousands of years of human history, when good character, good values, and good morals go away, what's left is tyranny or anarchy or the destruction of a nation. Because when individuals have no value and they have no values, society suffers as a whole. And what we're seeing in America today is a leadership deficit of values-based leadership that has reached academic proportions. And when society fails at the crucible of character, what does it do? It creates amoral or immoral people. Let me say that again. When society fails at the crucible of character, it creates amoral or immoral people full of impurities that will ultimately create a structural collapse of society itself. Now, this happens at the family level. It happens in our schools. It happens in our churches and in our synagogues. It happens in our businesses and in our communities as a whole. Ultimately, when society fails at the crucible of character, society breaks down because each person is doing what's right in his or her own eyes rather than valuing people and seeking to add value to them at every opportunity. When society breaks down, there's no morals, there's no values, and there's no character. Now, you have only to look in many of the larger cities of America today, and it's creeping into the smaller cities as well. We're seeing what happens when values-based leadership is forsaken, and good character and values become a relic of the past. Crime becomes rampant and unchecked, and society itself degrades, devolves, and ultimately crumbles and collapses. Do you remember the old saying, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing? Well, if you and I don't define culture, amoral and immoral people are going to define it for us. 
And when amoral and immoral people define culture, society suffers as a result. But it doesn't have to be that way. Remember, character is defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual or an organization. Values define a person or an organization's principles and standards of behavior, and values define one's judgment of what is important in life. And combined, character, values, and morals create the rules for right living. So who we are and what we believe is going to be revealed as we go through the crucible of character. So it's important on the front end that we clearly define our culture, our character, our values, and our morals so we establish the rules for right living in advance. So when the heat rises, the pressure comes, the rules for right living govern our conduct. Remember, when the heat comes, the pressure comes, the crucible of character is going to reveal what's on the inside of each and every one of us as we go through the challenges, the struggles, and the obstacles of life. That crucible of character is going to reveal our character. It's going to reveal our values, and it's going to reveal who we truly are to ourselves and the world around us. But here's the good news. You and I, we get to define our character, our values, and our morals for ourselves. And if we have an opportunity to examine what we believe and why, and we see we're lacking in some area or we could improve in some area, we have the opportunity to redefine our culture, our character, our values, and our morals. And then we get the opportunity to model that before other people. Remember, People do what people see. And as we lead and we live out lives of good character, good values, and good morals, we create an example for others to see and emulate in their lives. Remember, people do what people see. And if we want a better, more vibrant, more prosperous, harmonious society where everyone is working together for the common good, then it has to start with you. It has to start with me modeling the character, the values, and the morals that make our world a better place to live and raise a family, to educate our children, to operate a business, and provide for the welfare and the well-being of every single person in our community. You know, Tony Robbins says it well, what we focus on expands. So may we focus our energy and our efforts on becoming men and women of good character and good values. And as you and I face the next crucible of character in our lives, and we will, understand it's going to reveal what's on the inside of us. So now is the time to hone and define and clearly begin to establish the rules for right living in our own lives as we have the opportunity to daily learn, to grow, mature, and focus on becoming a better version of ourselves each and every day. Remember, black belt leaders do daily what other people do sometimes or not at all. And if we want to hone our character we have to make it a daily priority in our lives. Because here's what we want to have happen. 
when the pressure comes, the challenges, the obstacles and the struggles of life begin to apply pressure and things begin to heat up around us, here's what we want to see happen. What we've poured into our lives during this daily growing and learning and maturing as the fire begins to refine us, what we want to see poured out on the other end is a better version of what went into the crucible in the first place. And that's on you and that's on me. And this is how we change our community one life at a time is preparing for the crucible of character through daily growth and development, defining our culture, our values, our character, and our morals. I'm Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. Thanks for joining me and have a great day.